bitch thoughts Sports news that top You know Chris said uh, She got you taking all the shots Tell me like who got traded, who did not And what's the latest, well let's debate Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line No bout, there's no crime Like and one, go for two Three, pull and drop to the hoop We cover it all inside the park The newest stud up from the bar It's deeper stalks DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 37. I'm Chris Horvadell, and there is no Anshu Khanna this week filling in for him, I imagine, admirably. And probably, we will never want Anshu Khanna back. From Sonny and Phoenix, you loved him on our mock draft show. It's David McGraw. David, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me, man. I just had so much fun on the mock draft show that I had to be on again, so... It was a good time. It was uh, definitely a good time. Let's let's talk Phoenix Suns basketball since you're here, and uh, that is what your show on our podcast network, Sunny and Phoenix, is all about. And it's been very well received and very well reviewed, and we're thrilled with the work that you guys are doing. So, where do we stand with the Phoenix Suns? I think uh, the last time, well, obviously the last time you and I spoke, you know, person to person was prior to the draft. I imagine you guys were thrilled to come out of it with Joshua Jackson. Yeah, I if if you look back on all of the threads between the three of us, I was the entire time like, we're we're not getting Jackson, we're not getting Jackson. Mm. Oh, it's reported that the Boston Celtics are picking Tatum. Oh, we're still not getting Jackson. They're gonna pick Jackson. Oh, they picked <laughs> Tatum for real. Oh my gosh, don't screw this up. Right. And we all went down to summer league. Uh, we spent like a week and a half. Me and Chuck did. Uh, Mitch was there for about half a week ish, and we. We're watching the summer league, getting to watch Jackson play, and we are ridiculously hyped about him. That's great. How exciting was the summer league experience? Because that's, you know, I'm out in California. That's something I've thought about doing for the last couple of years. Yeah, this was year two for me and Chuck, uh, year one for Mitch. And it's a it's a great atmosphere. It's super relaxed. Uh, of course, there is the competition and stuff, but mm-hmm. you're seeing basketball guys all around. Um I said hi to Dylan Brooks. I mm. looked around when I was in the um, stands, and um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking on his name. Scott Brooks was mm. up in the stands talking to someone, just like a couple seats over. So like, it, it's a super laid back experience and really awesome. Um, I, I can't recommend it enough for any basketball fan. It's just a good place to go and potentially have the experience of uh, getting to getting to interact with the people you see on TV in a fairly laid back situation. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I said a couple that I saw this year. Uh, last year, I said hey to Lay Ellis and got to talk to him for a second. I mean, you're, you're just talking to people the entire time, and mm-hmm. you're getting to talk about basketball. And with, with basketball heads, that's pretty nice. Yeah, that's fun. That That is definitely fun. So how about Josh Jackson in the Summer League? Live up to all of your expectations? Yeah, I would say so. I don't think there was really much that we expected that either didn't happen or not. You know, he has a pretty decent handle, could run in fast break and stuff. Uh, the athleticism is there. You saw his love for the mid-range and getting to the rim and his finishing, I, I guess that is one thing. His finishing is, I, I knew it was good, but just seeing it in person, mm-hmm. man, does he have a nice touch on the ball and 
Well, while his jump shot needs some work, just that, that finishing and the hustle there is really exciting and definitely lives up. Yeah, I watched uh, you know a handful of the summer league games because I was obviously very interested in Jackson. I thought for a, a long time he was going to be a 76er. And uh, he, he was knocking, it seemed like he was knocking down the mid-range jump shot fairly consistently, but I, I wonder how long is it going to take until you see Josh Jackson pull up with that weird-looking jump shot it goes in and you're like, all right, I, I felt comfortable with that was going to go in the whole time. Cause it kind of seems like it's a surprise when it goes into me. Yeah. He, he hits a lot of them. And I think a lot of people still aren't sure if that's necessarily a, Oh, definite because like he can actually hit those or if it's some fluky thing mm-hmm. that he definitely has that hitch. And uh, I mean, because it was summer league, I was okay with him totally pulling up. I'm not sure if that jump shot with just, how kind of funky it is if I'll ever feel comfortable, but I also don't feel comfortable with Bledsoe necessarily taking jump shots and he hits those at a really mm. decent clip now and a couple other guys in the league even, even though they are guys that hit him at a good percentage now. I just it, there's def- there's something about just seeing it where you're like, ooh, that doesn't look good, but it <laughs> made it in and I guess that works. Yeah, as someone who is, uh, I-, I coached a lot of high school CYO basketball. And uh, so I'm familiar with the, oh, God, oh, God, don't take that, don't take that. Oh, good shot, good shot. (laughs) And that's kind of what it seems like it is with Jackson and, you know, to a lesser extent, Bledsoe. Uh, How did my guy Derek Jones Jr. look? Derek Jones Jr., he still has a lot of work to do. Um, He he took some shots here and there and was taking jump shots, which he didn't absolutely take at all in uh, the regular season when he got time last year. Mm -hmm. Still athletic, still all that. Um, was not playing as much as I would have liked to have seen, but playing those forward spots, kind of both of them, uh, I think that he he has to figure out that jump shot for him to be able to carve out some sort of niche in the NBA on a roster. Otherwise, he's kind of just going to be a D-league guy, super garbage time at the end of a season kind of guy. Mm. And you guys have had some, some fairly substantial injuries, too. I'm Brandon Knight's out for the season, yeah. and I believe uh, Devon Reed is four to six months, something like that. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. He has he had to get surgery to repair his meniscus. I think it was in his left leg. Uh, that, that was a real bummer, seeing him in summer league. He's one of those guys. He was a senior coming into the draft and got drafted. What some people thought a little early, but mm-hmm. his hustle's there, and the dude works and he, he was taking shots in summer league and we were all really excited to see him pop, get some minutes early on with Brandon Knight out. And now we're not going to get to see it as soon as we would have liked. All right. Let me ask you biggest step up from a player for the Suns this year, Marquise, Chris, dragon bender or Tyler Eulis. You know, I think people gave Bender too hard of a time last year with as little as he played. Mm-hmm. He's basically coming in. He's a second-year player technically, but dude's only going to be 19 in November, I think it is, uh, or 20 or whatever it is. I don't it age. I'm getting all mixed up now in my it's, time frame. Uh, fine. <laughs> dude's super young, mm-hmm. and he was showing some pretty good potential defensively on the perimeter last year and some other things. I think – that in summer league, the coaches tried to have him do a little bit too much. But I think if you actually watch Suns games next year and are expecting 
if you're expecting Chris Stapps, you're always going to be disappointed with Bender. But if you expect to just watch a guy play smart basketball, that's going to be him. And that that's going to surprise people when they watch if they're not looking for the Chris Stapps comparison. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know how how fans are in terms of hyping up their own players. And that was, it was inevitable that there was going to be Dragon Bender to Chris Stapps Porzingis comparisons. I mean, I deal with that nonsense now after we drafted Andreas Pesechnik, some seven foot two <laughs> Latvian at the end of the first round, who just happened to play with Porzingis a couple of years ago and can theoretically shoot a little bit. So he's the next Porzingis. So we, you know, we have that to look forward to. We have, uh, jo- you know, Jonah Bolden coming over in next year, and God know he, God knows what he's going to be the next great stretch four in the NBA. I guess my point is that we all overhype these guys until. We actually see them play because everyone right now is very excited about Lowry Markinen. And I think Bender is an exponentially better prospect than Markinen. Yeah, Markinen is more of a Ryan Anderson or Channing Fry kind of guy, um, which is good and is good in the modern offense. But Bender is more of a guy we've been kind of hyping on this, especially after uh, kind of hearing him talk a little bit last season and who he tried to model his game after, but it's it's very true if you watch old footage of Tony Kukoc mm. that that's just definitely, you can see it in Bender's game, but he's tried to model after that, out of that. And, you know, he's, he's going to be able to stretch the floor a little bit. He's going to hustle on defense, especially on the perimeter. He, he will have a little bit of trouble still when it comes to interior D just because he's still – really thin uh he is bulking up and you can see he's got some definition now but it's still going to take some time and you know he is a three to four year pros or project not mm. prospect a uh, prospect too but three to four year project and that's kind of what we thought coming in um i, I think in the last or in the last draft we kind of talked about how if we picked bender we were looking at a three to four year window of competing of competing in three to four years mm. and if we picked someone like a chris or a Jalen Brown, we were going to try and compete a little sooner. But Chris, while I thought was a little more polished for coming into the NBA, of course, still needs a ton of work too. And that's not saying that I expect to contend next year or anything. Not saying that at all. But Bender is a big project. And just people are going to be disappointed and always compare him to Porzingis. But that's going to be a disservice to him because I think he's going to be a really good player. You think he uh, probably is most valuable as a five rather than four, though? I don't know. I, I like him a little bit more at either forward spot, and that's the three or the four. Oh. Um, uh, that Just because of his perimeter defense, I think that with teams going small and putting more guys like Channing Fry and uh, even Draymond Green at the five, that mm. he can probably play five. He's definitely got... I think the shoulders for it, but I think that he will have his best carve out his best way in the NBA as a forward specifically, whether that be the three or four, he will be able to stretch out the floor. He will be a little slow here and there, but that perimeter defense will let him guard some of these guys that um, most guys that would play the five wouldn't be able to actually guard and, even some at the four wouldn't be able to guard. And that's why uh, last year at Summer League, we saw it a little bit where we had basically our front court was 
Alan Williams, Marquise Chris, and then Bender was playing the three. And I think I, I'm not going to be surprised if until he fills out a little bit more, we'll see him more at the three until he kind of finds his role as a legit four and only a five in occasions where like Draymond's playing the five. There's something very interesting about having that giant lineup, but uh, you know, let me just warn you and, I'm in no way, in no way comparing these two people, but I spent all of last summer talking myself into, it's going to be great playing Okafor and Embiid together. You have two big guys. Most teams will play, uh, you know, play stretch fours now. Nobody, we're going to be able to pick our mismatches. Nobody's going to be able to cover these two. And it was an unmitigated disaster for a lot of reasons, but an unmitigated disaster nonetheless. So I just, uh, I, I would worry about, I guess I be I get skeptical when I hear somebody talking about Dragon Bender as a three, just because you know he's seven one and there, there's going to be inherent you know flexibility and uh, defensive perimeter issues. I I don't know. Just just I'm just be 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 careful with, with <laughs> I, how I high you get your expectations. You. No, I and that's not saying anything on my end. I'm not saying that he's going to be a full time starter at the three or anything because uh, we definitely have other options there. And it's more of in a pinch time that you're going to see him there. Mm. If anyone of our young big men is going to play the five, it's probably going to be Chris just because his body is built a little bit more for it. And that that's going to help a ton because both those guys, no offense, are a little bit more uh, agile than Okafor and Embiid would be in the front court. Well, Embiid is not the one I have any issue with. That's a I, that's a defensive player. I, 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 I'm but, more uh, talking about Okafor. Okafor, <laughs> I don't look. I don't know if you've caught the news, but he's been on an all vegan diet this summer. He's down 20 pounds. He's down. To, he's at 255 right now. This is the year that Jalil Okafor takes over the NBA. Oh, but probably, I, I have, probably not. I have a lot of hope for Jalil. <laughs> I think he's kind of getting a raw deal a lot of the time. Uh, I, I enjoyed watching him in college and. I, I think he can be good. I think that he's kind of getting a raw deal now. So don't think I'm going to diss too much on Okafor. I do like the guy. Let me ask you an honest question. What Which players on the team would you be willing to trade straight up for Jalil Okafor? Uh, I will give you Brandon Knight and a really big hug. Okay. Well, well, I, we're, we're pretty good at point guard right now. but. <laughs> Pretty good. We have that that six ten guy and that guy we took with the first pick in the draft. But yeah, I guess they're okay. But uh, yeah, there's a but... there was a lot of talk amongst Philadelphia 76ers fans about Brandon Knight. Uh, you know, the past two years. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought that that would be an easy kind of thing for the Sixers. They have a ton of cap space or had a ton of cap space. I think they still do have a decent amount. Yeah, but well, uh, just kind... able to absorb it and take something. But. Yeah, it's kind of fake cap room right now because I think we're $13 million under the cap. But that's all earmarked to uh, an extension for Robert Covington. So effectively, we don't really have any more room to play around with for this offseason. Yeah. Ne- next offseason, we'll be in much better shape, You know, potentially able to sign two max contracts. So I think it's a, a given that LeBron James and Kevin Durant will be 76ers this time <laughs> next year. You know, I, I, I don't like popping <laughs> bubbles, so I'm just going to not pop your bubble. <laughs> no, okay, obviously I'm kidding about Durant, but I do honestly think that there are, there are four teams. To, first of all, what is your opinion on LeBron? Do you think he stays or goes in Cleveland? This is all 
this entire offseason so far feels really similar to how the Heat Heat's last season with LeBron went, where yeah. it was just a whole lot of he said, she said, and a whole lot of uncertainty, and no one just coming out and being like, this is what's happening, and it was just a whole mess and battles in the back, and it's really what it's reminding me of. And I, I'm I'm not going to say that I fully expect him to, but I think people should be prepared for LeBron to leave Cleveland next summer. Well, we appreciate your restraint because my claims are going to be more to the bombastic side. I'm going to say there's less less than a 5% chance that LeBron James stays a Cleveland Cavalier past this season. And uh, I will also say I am on record and Anshu Khanna and I have a, a gentleman's agreement because obviously wagering real money is not allowed in this format. Um, <laughs> no, not at all. That LeBron James will be a member of one of four teams next year. I I got uh, I got four teams. Anshu got the field, and those four teams are the Los Angeles Lakers, the Los Angeles Clippers, the Philadelphia 76ers, and the Houston Rockets. Houston Rockets are hoping. I was hoping you were going to say that one. There's some strong banana boat banana boat vibes coming yep. from that. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know if I feel comfortable throwing out a team there. I know that uh, what the recent talk was is that supposedly he's interested in the Suns and the Lakers, and I don't hmm. buy that for a second. So we'll, <laughs> we'll just kind of see, I guess. I hadn't heard the Suns. That's interesting. I, I I don't remember who it was, but someone came out, I think it was last week, and said that supposedly two of his top uh, targets that he's interested in coming into this season are the Suns and the Lakers because of Youngtown or something. I don't know. I, I don't think it's. Very much. I think that a lot of people are pulling at straws because you, because they felt that GM LeBron was trying to get Josh Jackson and Bledsoe. So it's true. that's probably where someone's pulling that from. I, I, I don't think it's actually a thing, but people are going to try and hype themselves up about it. Well, I, we, uh, we like to read a lot here and well, as Philadelphia 76ers fans about, you know, what LeBron <laughs> is saying on Twitter, because one thing you can say for sure about LeBron is he thinks he's very clever. Whether or not you, you agree that he is clever or not, I think you, we would all agree that he thinks he is very clever. And when he was sending those, he was sending those birthday tweets, because he and Ben Simmons are obviously linked already, uh, sending those, ben, those birthday tweets to, to Ben Simmons, and then he makes this, little, this coy little mention about, we'll go out and celebrate with Shirley Temples to bring Embiid into all of this. And it does. I mean, in that regard, to me, that's what feels the most like it, that Miami Heat Cleveland Cavs situation, because, you know, LeBron, he got to frame all of this like, oh, I'm coming home. You know, I this 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 four years, this three years in Miami was college and I grew as a man and now I'm coming back to lead my city to a championship. And now but I mean, in reality, he saw the Cavs as a much better opportunity to win a championship because of a young Kyrie, because of the draft picks they had at the time and you know what we knew could have happened with Kevin Love. And I think that situation is very much present in Philadelphia right now because he can join a team with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and Markel Fultz, you know, potentially a, a re-signed J.J. Redick and Robert Covington and so on and so on and potentially two top 13 picks in this year's draft. And all of a sudden... He is geared up to chase, you know, that record. And it's funny we call it Michael Jordan's six championships. We think of that as the record because it's not. 
but chase Jordan and his six championships. It's just, I feels like it feels like Philadelphia and potentially Los Angeles, depending on what happens there. Um, give him the best opportunity to do that. And it, it's funny once that started being something that you could, you could legitimately start to argue. It's funny how my opinion changed. And I guess I'm sort of a, a, a Johnny come lately in this situation, but I was always, I don't want LeBron, you know, we're building this up through the draft. He's going to take away from our players' developments. Ah, we'll we'll win without him. And now all of a sudden you get this inkling that maybe it's a chance. And it's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait. I'll definitely take LeBron. I'll buy his jersey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it's funny how having someone that's a top five player of all time <laughs> yeah. seeming like you might want to play for your team can change things. And uh I, I like to. I would like to say that I don't think it would change me because, uh, look, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna air something out that uh, some Sunny and Phoenix fans know for sure. But uh, okay. I'm actually a convert from a Lakers fan. Oh, and so uh, I, I started watching basketball because of Shaq and Kobe with their first three P, mm-hmm. and then moved over when Nash. Uh, I saw Nash play in his first year with Phoenix, so I'm actually kind of a convert. So I still have. A lot of soft spots here and there, and like to watch games and stuff. And the the guys give me a little bit of trash talk for it. And it's all in good fun, but uh, I I just there's still something about it with the whole LeBron Kobe thing that I'm just like, uh, I just I just don't like LeBron. It's still yeah. there from like the mid 2000s ish, and I, I I don't think that even if he was on the Suns that I would be like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go buy his jersey. I'd be like. <laughs> Well, I guess we've got LeBron, so now we're going to have the circus around us. Oh. Well, and you get to look forward to getting to the, the Western Conference Championship every single year. Yeah, I mean, that would be nice. And that is the one thing, like, cool, we have a playoff spot. Hmm. But the Warriors are still a thing. That's true. And, like, Westbrook might be able to keep Paul George around. And, like... James Harden is really good at basketball That's true. and, and, and it's like the, the West is pretty rough no matter what. Well, Ken, let me tell you something that I don't think I've ever said publicly before. I have a similar story to what you have. And even, well, up until the, you know, I still have some fond feelings for them, but when I was, when I was young, my first introduction to football was was Thanksgiving football games and we know what team plays every Thanksgiving it's the Dallas Cowboys for the uh, first Detroit Lions well yeah and they tend, they play the Cowboys and that in <laughs> hindsight that might have been the better decision for me but for the for the first couple of years of me being a football fan I was a Dallas Cowboys fan and this is in Philadelphia well at the outskirts of Philadelphia but still now my friends had the, the the good sense to beat that out of me as quickly as possible. But, yeah, I, I, too, started off as a Dallas Cowboys fan. But I cannot say this enough. There are no lingering feelings for that bunch of cheaters. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that the guys definitely we had our uh, goof, one of our goof podcasts one of the times. And they were just going hard into it and about the Lakers and stuff. And it's like, look, I'm not saying that if it's Lakers and Suns, I'm going to root for the Lakers. I'm rooting for the Suns. Mm. That's it. But there, there is no, I'm not going to go say that like I hate Powell and Kobe because I love those guys or that stuff. I mean, I, I, 
I've got the soft spot because it's there. My family's all Lakers fans, or my parents are, not my brother. But mm. still, it's it's one of those things where there's still a lot of soft spot. I've still got family in California that are Lakers fans, but all that kind of stuff. So there, there's the soft spots are there. I can't help it. It's just part of what it is. I never liked Kobe, and that's because, uh, you know, lower, I was very close to Lower Marion growing up, and and I was around. I, I never. I, I mean, my interactions with him were nothing more than like, uh, oh, hello. But I was, a, I was got to see him quite a bit, you know, at tournaments and stuff like that. And he just always came off as so smug and so much like that. He thought he was so much better than everybody else, even in high school. And that just like he that guy rubbed me the wrong way from the beginning. I know a lot of people in Pennsylvania like to lay claim to to Kobe as this this great Pennsylvania basketball hero, but no. I mean the guy grew up in Italy. He's not from Pennsylvania. He lived there for like four years. And he's a jerk. Yeah, that's understandable. I I totally understand the Kobe hate and now the revisionist whether it be extra Kobe hate or extra Kobe love. It's mm-hmm. all kind of silly. Uh, I, I remember going to driving to school one morning and I think it was Brian Seacrest was on in the morning at that time. And there was someone who it was that was reporting the, when all the allegations were coming out with yeah. in Denver about Kobe and stuff. And just remembering like, man, I, I don't know. Like that, that's some, that's some weird stuff. And, Mind you, at that time, that's like 2004. I'm like nine or ten years old, and yeah. like, I, I, I like at that point, I'm like, whoa, that's some adult stuff. That's <laughs> yeah. crazy. It's like, yeah, people suck. Sports yeah. athletes suck, but <laughs> I still watch him play, and he still plays really well, and I like him. So, whatever. Yeah, I, I totally get the hate. I totally get all of it. It's all warranted, but uh, I don't know. I guess. It's just still like just looking back and uh, like childhood memories is what Kobe reminds me of. Yeah. Well, it wasn't all bad. I can tell you Rasheed Wallace is awesome. Rasheed Wallace, (laughs) absolutely awesome, cool guy. I have one of my fondest memories of my life is playing in a game of roughhouse. And this was I was I was younger than them, obviously, with uh, with Rasheed Wallace, Eddie Jones, Aaron McKee and those guys. And just like watching them mess around and watching them have fun. And it's just, you know, it's so awesome to be be part of something like that, even if it's just a bunch of people joking around. And those that that was a good group. Rashid Wallace, he gets a lot of crap, but that guy is awesome. Um Yeah, I don't think it's a surprising thing that one would say that, oh yeah, Rashid Wallace is way cooler to be around than Kobe. I don't yeah. I don't think that's much of a debate. <laughs> Yeah, Kobe doesn't seem like the kind of guy you're just going to sit around with and enjoy a conversation for a half hour where I feel like I couldn't pay Rashid Wallace enough to do a podcast. Yeah, Kobe would want to talk about Western philosophy or whatever <laughs> business mogul stuff is, and Sheed would be real, that's for sure. One of the one entire episode would just be him doing that uh, Italian rap album that he had. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh my God. gosh, can I get in on the crowdfunding on that? <laughs> yes absolutely you can you can absolutely play as much as you would like to make that happen um before we jump away from the suns i just want to ask your question opinion on one more thing and i wish i would have talked to you guys while this was going on so that i could have seen firsthand how the opinions changed but what was your take on the suns being so linked to kyrie irving that was so weird and i don't know it was the first time 
it felt like where there was a legitimate link that could be there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that as soon as there was the talk about what the Cavs wanted, um, there, there's this uh, local guy that does a lot of fun stuff and is really hooked in, uh, Gambo. Uh, it's Gambadoro, I think is his full last name, but he's just Gambo. And dude is linked in with everything, and it, he he is a fantastic source for Sun stuff, and really knowing and and he like his source like might he might be like Robert Sarver or something like his going on and his knowing what's going on is is real, and he he was saying like oh yeah, Kaz asked for this, and like basically the Suns that's not going to happen, like. Mm-hmm. And there was like, oh, the Cavs would like Devin Booker. It's like, yeah, the Cavs yeah. would like, I would like to win a billion dollars. That doesn't mean it's going to happen. Or that they wanted Josh Jackson and the, the, and Gambo came out right away. It was like the Suns aren't trading Josh Jackson. And they, they already said that they're not going to do it for a Kyrie Irving deal. And I was like, yeah. So I, I don't expect that. And as, as it came out more and more and Josh Jackson kept on getting thrown around, it was like, yeah, this isn't happening. But then there was some real talk about it possibly being – blood so uh bender i think it was mm-hmm. and um whatever I, I don't remember what the last piece was i feel like their miami pick was one of them and something like that and it, it seemed like that was probably a fair deal um i i think that Kyrie is still super unproven uh he he's great he's a great clutch time guy he has that gene in him but I think you you really do have to look, and we we were arguing on it on the pod about whether or not Kyrie could actually lead a team. And looking mm. at statistics of uh, obviously before the team was garbage, but when like LeBron sits and you've still got Kyrie and Kevin Love, and the team can't do anything. If it was a guy that really had that killer mentality, you feel like he would have been able to be able to overcome that a little bit more, but. Well, we argued the odds into end that on the podcast. You you guys can go check it out, Sonny and phxpod.com. Or, uh, that, that links to – that leaks to Deepish Thoughts. So, yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> shameless plug. I don't and, care. Or on um, iTunes. Or on iTunes. There we go. Great five stars. Say boy. That's what Mitch wants you to do. Um, Wait, so, what, what is it, that? Because uh, we, we can Mitch get this a, done. We can get this done. Uh, we, I so, have uh, – so, yeah, go, go ahead. Go ahead. So Mitch's big thing, he he joked, he did kind of a joke thing about it last week. He went through the in-depth on how to leave a review on iTunes. And okay. that's like, including opening up the podcast app, searching in Sunny in PHX, and it pops up as the first thing, what the logo looks like, and then commenting boy, as in B-O-I boy, not B-O-Y boy, B-O-I, okay. and rating it five stars. And he thought, and like, it was actually hilarious and it was good so that's his thing now is what he wants people to do and see if it happens but uh yeah it's it's just silly nonsense that we do over there um uh, nothing wrong with that we can we can <laughs> make that happen i've realized that as i jumped onto the jumped onto the computer right before we got into this i looked at the low the image i sent you guys and it was just apparently it didn't uh, it didn't work. It was just a, a black square for some reason. I, I will send you resend the image I intended to send, but uh, you know I say this to our listeners on every single show because I'm I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people who are listening to Anshu and I's innate nonsense each and every week. 
looking at the the our well, I don't want to say which ad platform we're on, but on our particular ad platform, <laughs> I'm I'm on our analytics page, and our last episode has been downloaded sixty three thousand and sixty times since last week, and that that blows my mind more than anybody can I could imagine, because. It, you know, it, you always wonder, like, you know, how many people are listening to the stuff you're doing, and you know, I I always think it was like, all right, if we get like get like five thousand people listening every week, that'd be really good. I feel like that's a really good number, because you know, we're not ESPN, we're not anybody like that. Sixty three thousand people is, and that's just the downloads on iTunes. That doesn't speak to anybody who listened to it streaming through the website. That's on. That's that's unreal. And you know, thank you guys all so much for listening. But you know. Since we're here, we do have this challenge that uh, that Mr. McGraw just put forth to all of you. So why don't we go ahead, go on to the iTunes page? I would you can listen to the listen to his podcast, which you can find in all of the places he just described, or you know just search in Deepish Thoughts on Twitter, and that'll bring up all of our podcasts. Go to go to the Sunny Pod, and uh, let's get those five star reviews and those boy. <laughs> boy comments that uh that they want let's uh let's make them feel like they're doing a good job because we know they're doing a good job let's let's make them uh let's make it very clear that we all appreciate the work they're doing and let's let's give them what they want my goal let's get you look i, I recognize that not everybody's gonna go on and that's a it's a ridiculous request let's get 25 of them that would be my goal for the next week hey 25 works with me <laughs> Yeah, and I, uh, you, as after that and everything, I do want to say that, yeah, you, you'll be surprised how many times that me, Chuck, and Mitch will be like, man, it's really nice to, we can email you and talk about, talk about any of the stuff on the behind the scenes stuff on the pod and you get back right away and it's done and it's good and we're good to go. And we're, we're really happy to be on here and we, we definitely enjoy having Sonny and PHX as part of Deeper Thoughts for sure. Well, we're going to have some stuff to talk about immediately after this uh, this show. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. We actually do have to talk about something after the show because by the time everybody listens to this next week, it, it won't be a – I guess by the time our next show comes up, it, everything will be done. But, yeah, just – I'm going to leave a note here that I have to talk to you and then you can uh, you can relay the information afterwards. But let's stick with Kyrie for a second. I think this situation is really interesting in Boston because, you know, one of the reasons that he wanted to get out of Cleveland, and for the record, I always thought it was because he knows LeBron's leaving, but one of the reasons that he gave is he wants to be the man. And he now ends up on a team where the man is the head coach and the man's guy is Gordon Hayward. How's that going to work out for Kyrie? Yeah, um, Definitely agree with that. He is seeing some stuff and wants to get out of Dodge before anything else happens. And he seems like he's trying to leave and screw over a franchise even more. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I definitely think that that would be interesting. And, you know, Brad Stevens is a very good coach and can get his team to overperform. They did just get Gordon Hayward. Um, I, I don't see Gordon Hayward as an alpha kind of guy. I, I don't think that that's what he wanted in Utah. I don't think that that's what he wants in really Boston either. And I think he thought Isaiah Thomas was going to be that guy. And Kyrie will get that chance as long as, you know, the Isaiah Thomas stuff actually goes through. But, man, is it – it's some interesting stuff. And will Kyrie be able to 
move away from kind of the hero ball mentality, the Kobe mentality, if we want to say that he has and be able to move away from that and try to show that he can be this great facilitator in a Brad Stevens offense. And he's going to get that chance for sure and see if it works. Um, I, I think Kyrie can be a great facilitator. I think that he, he needs to take a similar approach that Westbrook did. And you can say that Westbrook um, has the – he just chases stats. Let's just mm-hmm. throw it out there. that He chases the stats or whatever. But he, with Durant gone, went out there and challenged himself to make sure that he's passing the ball. And even though his usage rate was huge, he was making sure he was getting those numbers. And, hey, if it takes Kyrie saying, all right, I need to go out there and get 10 assists, then maybe that's what it takes to show that he can try and get the other guys involved as well. And, you know, I I think that he can take that challenge. It'll be more of a, if he, if anyone, I guess, poses the challenge to him. Mm -hmm. That's such a hollow 10 assists a game for, for Russell Westbrook though. It's uh, guys like Russell Westbrook and I guess James Harden to an extent, they frustrate me because they put up these numbers and people say, oh, they're, they're great passers. These guys get their teammates involved, but they're not. They're, they are look to score, look to score, look to score, pass third. They are, they are very much not people who will pass the ball for the sake of ball movement within an offense, but they'll, they only pass the ball for assists. Yeah, I I'm not the right person to ask about that. I think that Mitch and Chuck are way more to jump onto that. I was very big into defending Russell Westbrook this season on the pod, and I actually originally picked uh, James Harden at the beginning of last season to win MVP because I thought that he would be uh, Steve Nash almost on steroids in the D'Antoni offense, and was given a lot of lot of trash for it, but. Uh, you know, it was definitely flipped around where I wanted Westbrook to win MVP at the end and the other two guys wanted Harden. I, I think that if Westbrook, it, with Paul George, if he cuts back on the rebounds a little bit and mm-hmm. trying to go in and grab each rebound, then when he has the double-doubles with assists, I think people will give him a lot less trash for him for that. I think that when they kind of look to score, 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 I – I think that Harden and Westbrook, that's what they have to do to get their team to win. Uh, if you looked last season, Westbrook's supporting cast, whenever he sat down, they couldn't do anything. And my argument was it's just they couldn't do anything because they didn't have the ability to. I mean, mm-hmm. Victor Oladipo, was, they gave up on him in Orlando. And now they he's Indiana Pacers' problem now, but... <laughs> I, I think that he he was not a guy that was going to be able to go out there and take over a game and make sure the offense runs while Westbrook sits because while yes, the offense is Westbrook, that's because that was kind of the only way things would get done. And yeah, he, he, I, that's kind of my argument for why the numbers are still with the double digit assists and stuff for Harden and Westbrook are so good still because well, Harden, it should be easier for him because of the shooters around him. Um, and Patrick Beverly was that guy that could go out there and play well and play defense yeah. and kind of run an offense, especially 
with Westbrook. I, I think that he just had no other choice but to have that high usage. Otherwise, that team would not have been as high, even though they weren't super high in the seeding for the playoffs. They would not have even been there if it wasn't for Westbrook putting the entire team on his back and just trying to do whatever. Were, 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 did I wish that he would have laid back on the triple doubles a little bit just so that way everyone would stop giving a little trash? Yeah, I think I think so. But if you look at some of the stats, he, he improved his three-point shooting percentage by like five percentage points, which is mm-hmm. ridiculous. And a couple of the other advanced stats just really give him way more credit for being as good as he is than the triple-double stat is. And I, I kind of wish that he didn't have that stat or – even Harden would have had some of those stats just so that way people could look at some of the more advanced numbers and be like, oh, wow, no, he's good for these reasons, not because of just the basic numbers that you see all over ESPN. That's fair. I mean, going into 2015-2016, he was a 29.6% three-point shooter last year, 34.3, and that is uh, it's still below league average, but that is – to the point where you need to respect it, especially when he's taking seven of them a game, which is a crazy number of threes for Russell Westbrook to be taking a game. But you're right. that Do you, do you think that was a function of, of confidence, that it's his team now with Durant gone, or is, was there some mechanical fix? What do you, what do you uh, chalk that up to? You know, I, I, I kind of chalk it up a little bit to confidence, definitely more to the well, I have to do this because otherwise, you know, we've got no option. And, Mm -hmm. you know, he had a lot of, well, he had a lot of misses in crunch time the year before with Durant as well. And people were saying that Durant should just have the ball. Uh, I think that he had a little bit of extra pressure and he took that pressure and and used it as like his driving force. Uh, I really think that's what, it was. I would have expected his three-point shooting to go down with Durant, uh, not go up like it did. Right. There's definitely something to be said about a guy just having confidence, though. I don't know if you remember um, that Siena team that beat Ohio State in the in the tournament in that double overtime game a couple of years ago. But a couple of years ago it was you know probably ten years ago now. But uh, that, that's a couple. That, that team, yes, yeah. That team was led by Ron Moore and Kenny Hasbrook. And uh, Ronnie's from my high school, and Ron and Kenny and I all played on the same rec league basketball team three or four years ago. Ronnie, super nice guy. I can't say enough about Ron Moore. Awesome dude. Can't shoot to save his life in terms of in terms of playing in college. I, I think he led the nation in assists, and he shot something like I don't know fifty eight percent from the foul line. Um, couldn't cannot shoot to save his life. But you put him in a rec league where he knows he's so much better than everybody else, and suddenly he's a 65% three-point shooter, just from the benefit of sheer confidence. It's incredible. Oh, I mean, any guy that can even get to, like, college level and play at that level, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be pretty decent in rec league pickups, that's for sure. <laughs> well, that's, uh, it's worth pointing out that this is, this is a very high-level league that we're talking about every team had multiple college players multiple guys who played overseas the the one i didn't kenny kenny had a 10 day with the heat and that's you know that that guy is incredible but yeah i understand the argument you're making about level of competition but the level of competition was much, was much you higher undersold it a little bit you undersold it a little bit okay so now uh, I'm, I'm gonna i'll 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 
admit my wrong on that one. But yeah, I, I think when when there is no pressure, especially like those rec league kind of stuff, even though mm-hmm. the competition's there, uh, the the pressure of having to exceed for X reason isn't as much there. It's oh yeah, you know, like if we lose, we lose. It sucks, and I don't mm-hmm. like to lose. But you know, you're not trying to do it for your career. No one's going to look at your rec league tapes and be like, Oh man, you know, you shot bad in this rec league game. You're, <laughs> you're not going to cut it. So yeah, I, I definitely think that confidence is there. And I think a lot of young guys, you can see it too, where towards the end of the season, they're kind of just given the keys and you say, all right, go for it. And then, you know, they can have some really big games and really just go out there and play ball and really show up. And when you didn't really think they could, I mean, Alan Williams was, we called him the advanced at, or yeah, the advanced at per 36 mm-hmm. champion just because of his per 36 double double numbers. And then he got the actual minutes and was getting double doubles and was just out working because they said, all right, you know, we kind of don't have anyone else. Just go out there and play. And that's what he did. And even to a bigger extent, Booker, we, uh, at the end of his rookie season, we kind of didn't have anything else to do. So. It was like, all right, well, we're not going to win a whole lot, so might as well give you the ball and let you do whatever. And then it was like, oh, hey, he's way better than just a spot-up three-point shooter. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And uh, before I get off it completely, congratulations to Ron. First team uh, first team in his Italian league this year for the Pastora Basket 2000. First team all-league. Congratulations, my friend. That's awesome. And I envy you an incredible amount for getting to make a living playing professional basketball, even if it's outside the uh, the comfy confines of the NBA. It's still awesome. Yeah, it is absolutely still awesome. Um, where do we, with this Kyrie thing, what do you think, what was, <laughs> I know what my reaction was when I saw the, that the Cavs were going to ask for Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum as further compensation for Isaiah Thomas being injured. But what was your reaction when that came out? My reaction was, obviously, they think IT is way worse off than he he might either actually be or they the everyone else wants you to believe he is, was mm-hmm. my first reaction, honestly. My first reaction wasn't like, oh, the Cavs are trying to bite off more than they can chew. It was like, all right, is something really wrong with IT? Like, is it possibly more than just, like, a couple of months? And could, like, he have to sit out longer? Or is, like, it's so much that they don't think that he's even going to be the player that he was? Like, that's more of where I started to worry. And while I don't have the fondest feelings for IT after mm-hmm. some of the talk that he's been saying about uh, Phoenix after he left, um, I-, I do not want to wish stuff where it alters livelihoods in the NBA injury wise on anyone. So that, that's more of where my worries went to first. And then kind of the afterwards was like, I mean, Kyrie Irving's kind of good. You've got Gordon Hayward. It kind of, I know you traded away every Bradley, but it kind of makes sense for them mm-hmm. to ask for, you know, a young, more talented prospect over than just Ante's is and stuff. And, and Jay Crowder, who Jay Crowder is not young really as much anymore. And, He's kind of, kind of who he's going to be, and if Isaiah Thomas really isn't going to be up to that level where he was an all-star kind of guy, then I, I don't think it uh, is completely unfair of the Cavs to try and see if they can get a young guy that has the potential to be an all-star in return for a young guy 
that is 25 years old and is an all-star already. Your thought process was much deeper than mine was. I just laughed at their, their selfishness. <laughs> that was That's fair. That's literally totally fair. it. Literally it. Because you, you know that they knew Isaiah Thomas was hurt. Maybe he's a little bit worse off than they thought he was. But there's no way that this is like a game changer type of worse injury than they thought he currently had. There's no way you can justify getting Jalen Brown or, or uh, Jason Tatum added to this. I think the resolution is going to be interesting because I'm not sure how much Danny Ainge is going to like being held over a barrel here. I know they have said, you know, a second round pick is all we're going to do. That's the most we're going to give. Uh, personally, I think they're going to end up giving up one of their own first round picks over the next two or three years. But uh, it's not going to be Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum. That That's just ridiculous. And I don't, I'm not super high on either one of those guys. I, I think that Jason Tatum is a little more laughable. I don't know if Jalen Brown is necessarily like, a, well, the Cavs are about to screw this one up. I think that mm-hmm. Jalen Brown uh, is a little bit more of a guy that I think probably is a little overhyped right now. Uh, Jason Tatum probably a little bit too, but I, I think Jason Tatum has a better shot, mainly just because of his jump shot than Jalen Brown does, that really kind of fulfilling some of that hype. Mm-hmm. And I uh, a lot of people want to say compare Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram from last year. And I, I stand by that Jalen, that if Brandon Ingram was in Jalen Brown's shoes, he probably would have had either the same or better stats than Jalen had when yeah. for his seven minutes a game or whatever that it was in Boston. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I'm definitely on that train. That is fair. You know, I, uh, the Celtics are very much a team that was, that was based on defensive toughness and defensive intensity last year with Isaiah carrying the scoring punch. And, you know, they've traded away their defensive identity. They traded away Avery Bradley and Jay Crowder. And, you know, Isaiah's gone now. And God knows Olenek wasn't playing defense, but he's gone. This team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year is going to have four new starters to start the season. The only person coming back is going to be Al Horford. Um, My question to Anshu is one I'm going to ask you as well. Will the Celtics win more games this year than they did last year? You know, on paper, I think they can be a better team. I still think that trading away Avery Bradley was a mistake. Yeah. Um, I, I know that a, a lot of people that are not Celtics fans feel like they're kind of doing Isaiah Thomas dirty. Um, it, it doesn't matter. I, I'm not the biggest Danny Ainge fan, just in general, but I'm not the biggest Celtics fan either. Go figure. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I just... You know, I, I don't know if they can have a better record. I think that they probably peaked last year, so it, it makes sense that they're going to try and get some more while, or get some better value that they keep on saying that they're going to get for three seconds and don't carry Rozier or whatever. So it, yeah, they, fi- they finally supposedly got their piece. As long as it goes through, they've got their young all-star as well as, another complimentary all-star type of guy and Al Horford. So it'll take a little bit of gelling, I think, but I think that team can be possibly better. The just biggest question is that can a Marcus Smart or if it's still Jalen Brown, can they step up in Avery Bradley's spot? I think that's going to hurt them a ton. If it was a lineup of like Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley, Gordon Hayward, Marcus Morris, who – yeah, whatever. And yeah. Al Horford, I think 
that would have more of a shot at beating their record last year than Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown at that two spot. I just worry about their defense because I don't see anybody who plays any aside from potentially, you know, Smart if he's at the two. I just, I, I don't see who's going to stop anybody on the other team from scoring. And there is no post defense. There is no rebounding. I think Morris and Horford combined to average something like 13 rebounds last year. Like that doesn't cut it in the NBA. Yeah. Um, I mean, you thought that having Ky- Kelly Olenek, almost a Kyle Olenek, uh, <laughs> Kelly Olenek and Al Horford was probably a little rough, then we've got some bad news for Celtics <laughs> fans. I, I still think that they need to, if they really want to compete with a Cavs or a Warriors, they need to seriously try and trade for a center. And uh, I get it. They have Al Horford. That was their big signing, but even then Al Horford's not going to be able to move over to power forward if they get a center and they really need someone that can rebound. And just Al Horford isn't that guy. He's a finesse guy more of, and uh, it's going to be interesting. I think that they'll be able to switch kind of decently as long as Kyrie doesn't get abused, Mm -hmm. but it, it, that, that post defense is troubling and having that go-to guy for your perimeter stopper. I know that, Gordon Hayward is no fairly slouch, but he's also not Kawhi Leonard. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, absolutely. And I, I've actually mentioned this last week, and since then something has happened that kind of makes it feasible. I think this thing Boston needs to really be hoping happens is this Nerlens Noel situation just goes horribly wrong in Dallas right now, because if you can get Noel for you know a first round pick and a player. That's the perfect guy to add to this team, at least for this season. You know, it's going to be tough to get him re-signed and all of that stuff. But bringing in that shot blocking and that defense, that is seemingly, to me, that's the perfect fit for a Boston team right now. Yeah, um, I know it may not be fast, but I mean, the dude can move enough kind of to play for if they really needed him to. Mm-hmm. Uh, where if they really are still intent on having Al Horford play the five, that that could be something. Um, I, I think that has to be, uh, as you know, you said, kind of a sign and trade style thing. Mm-hmm. And they they would have him for a little bit more than a year. I think it would have to be at least a three year. I think is the ruling on that for uh, signing a restricted free agent that has to be at least well, a three year contract. Well, unless they sign the minimum. Worth pointing out that Noel signed his Noel signed his QO, so he has a four million dollar contract for this year. Oh, okay. He did sign a QO. Yeah, I thought he was still a free agent. Sorry about that. No problem. I'm a little behind. Everything's all mixed up still. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel more like more likely that after this that the Mavericks will probably try and just sign him to that long term deal. I. Maybe everything goes horribly wrong, but I don't, I don't know if the Celtics are going to be willing to with enough. Right. Even if that is not that much, but, you know. Yeah. Well, we are, uh, we're about 52 minutes in, 53 minutes in, and we're starting to get some, uh, some call degradation on your side. So, this seems like the ideal place to stop it. We talked a lot of basketball today, and that was a lot of fun. Dave McGraw, thanks for coming and filling in for Anshu Khanna this week. 
Yeah, of course, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, if you ever need a fill in, make sure to give me a shout. You know it. Now, everyone, remember to listen to the Sunny and PHX podcast on the network. And the challenge for all of you loyal listeners is what I put forward earlier. We're going to go. We're going to get them at least 25 more five-star ratings by this time next week. And we're going to, more importantly, because for some reason it is important to them, we're going to get them 25 reviews that say simply, boy, B-O-I, as in yeah, boy. We're going to get that done. Yeah, and I, I hope we can get that. I hope we go way past 25. Don't settle <laughs> if you see 25 new ones. If you're there, go give the review, give the rating, get it done. If not for me, then for the world in general, because we need a little bit of good news at this time. In this place, We in need our, more boys in the world. <laughs> we need more, yeah, boys in the world. Well, that is the Deepish <laughs> Thoughts podcast, episode number 37. I'm Chris Fordell. He's David McGraw. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here next week.